I'm Napas from the Myanmar Culture Club, University of Toronto, and you are listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5. CIUT 89.5 FM. Welcome to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Seth Martosh and I'm here with... Alex Truxel. So Alex, tell us a little bit about what we got going on today. 
Well, today is going to be a super packed show. Um, if you're not familiar with what Tracks from Abroad is, we're a radio show where every week we travel around the world to a different country, today too, and we listen to some music from that country, we speak to students who have ties to that country, and through their experiences we end up learning a little bit more about the multicultural city of Toronto. Yeah, so today we've got an episode on India and Myanmar. We talked to Harman from India, who actually has some background, uh, his parents emigrated to India from Myanmar, and then later in the episode we speak to the Myanmar Culture Club and to Brian Dickey, whose voice you heard at the beginning of the show, who actually went to Myanmar and documented and photographed the revolution there. So, like Alex said, we're going to keep it nice and brief, and we're going to hear first from Harman. PhD in physics. It's like physics, chemistry, biology mix, and I basically came from a town in India called Kolkata. It's a city, not a town, where I basically spent my entire life. I finished my high school. My undergrad was in a college like a hundred kilometers from Kolkata, so pretty close by. And then I, after finishing my masters, I basically came here for my PhD. And what did you study in your undergrad? I basically majored in physics, mm-hmm. so it was a five-year integrated course in a BSc, MSc physics. Okay. So pure physics. I had a really nice high school teacher, and he purely motivated me to pursue physics. So it's interesting because a guest we talked to a couple of weeks ago, who's also studying science, was saying that his teacher was also a big reason, like mm-hmm. pushing him mm-hmm. to go. Do you find that's like one of the big motivators for you? Is like teaches you? That was an immense motivator because I had good teachers throughout my high school especially physics i hated chemistry because i had i had really bad teachers i also had good biology teachers and that's basically what i'm researching on right now i'm working on the junction between physics and biology so basically pro- protein crystallize and stuff and yeah i do believe that it's a major factor it shapes how, how you think about if, if you end up loving that subject or not yeah is there any way that layman's like us could understand what your phd research so all of us have proteins in all of our cells in our body and the process of measuring protein basically understanding how their structure works how their dynamics work it's not an easy thing to do and people usually use x-rays so they hit proteins with x-rays and they get back the structures back so i don't work with x-rays i work with electrons because both electrons and x-rays are waves okay. and you can in principle you can use electrons to study proteins and that's basically my phd thesis i want to use electrons to study proteins so what else specifically interests you about that intersection between physics and biology? I currently am working on a protein known as Mastar. So it's like a modified form of bacteriorhodopsin. Bacteriorhodopsin is a modified form of rhodopsin, which is found in our eyes. And rhodopsin has been found to be highly sensitive to incoming photons. So basically, if you put yourself in like a dark room and you have a, a photon source, which releases like even single photons, your eyes can measure single photons. Uh-huh. So my thesis for in part is to see how single photons can actually produce those cascade-like pathways, which make us see that, which make us detect the light. And basically how a single photon translates to chemical energy. I'm wondering if teachers are so important to you, is that part of why you came to Canada or came to U of T? Did you have in mind professors that you wanted to work with? I did have mine. I'm working with uh, Professor Dwayne Miller right now, and he is a pretty big shot in this particular field of ultra-fast dynamics using electrons and optics. So yeah, I did have him in mind. I'm, re- I'm really happy that he accepted me and I got to be here. But I did apply to other universities in Europe. I did get an offer from the US as well, but I preferred to be in Canada, just because I feel it's more welcoming and I also have some family in Canada so that also is a big factor for me 
now that you're here has that lived up <laughs> to your expectations or yeah yeah so far it's been a really good uh, ride but i still feel that canadians are super polite i like, guess so nice people say it's a culture shock but for me it's good culture shock i really enjoy canadian hospitality I actually wanted to ask you a bit about your biking because I was looking through your Instagram oh, okay. and <laughs> and I started in chronological order so I went furthest back post and I was like oh. wow that's pretty impressive you biked all the way from Barrie to Toronto oh yeah and then I kept going I was like oh that's even more impressive you biked from Brampton to Toronto okay yeah. impressive yeah, Barrie yeah. to Toronto okay impressive then Kingston to Toronto <laughs> what what led you to this escalation of uh, um, extreme my goal for the end of my PhD is to finish a uh, Trans Canada bike ride all the way from I guess Newfoundland to Vancouver and I just needed to take these very small steps so that I could graduate to finally doing doing to doing that in five years. How long would that take you? If we go at a steady pace, around um, six months. Wow. Five, six, five or six months. People have done that. I saw like an old couple in their forties do that. So it's not like it's impossible to do. What type of training goes into a bike ride like that? I guess my first hundred barrier was the one we did from Toronto to Niagara, and it's more of mental barrier than a physical barrier. When you're training, does music help you with all? I carry like two speakers and a third one in case two of them die down, and that really helps. I play a lot of music throughout my way. So the the natural follow up, this being a, a radio program, is there any song that you'd want us to play for the listeners? I'd like to play a song that I really recently came across. It's from a small band in Kolkata, and the name of the song is Aju Sakhi. It's by the band Tagore Arve, and the singer name is Sorendra Shomuji. It's a really nice song because once I listen to it, I'm like taken back to my roots, and it's not purely Bengali music in the sense that it's a fusion as well. You get to hear a bit of jazz in the background, and I really like that fact. I really like the fact how like bonded the two of them together. We'll take a listen, and we'll be right back on Tracks from Abroad on CIET eighty nine point five FM. जो सखी मोह मोह गाहे पिक कोहो कोहो कुंजवने तू तू दोहार पाने चाहे जो सखी मोह मोह गाहे पिक कुहो कुहो कुंजवने दुहु दुहु दोहर पाने चाहे युवन मद बिलसित फूल के हिया उलसित अवश्य तनु अलसित मुरछी जनु जा Oh, 
शिथिल सब बांधनी शिथिल भैलाज वचन मृदु मर मर थर थर शिहर तनु जर जर कुसुम बनमाज मलय मृदु कलय छे चरण नहीं चलय छे वचन मोह खलय छे अंचल लुटा
Tracks are abroad on CIET 89.5 FM. We're chatting with Harman about India. You're from West Bengal, right? I'm from West Bengal. I'm from yeah, Kolkata. This is West right. Bengal. Is there much cultural similarities between Bangladesh, the country, and West Bengal, the area of... Yeah, China? yeah. There's actually a lot of similarity. The music, the culture, and many of the people who still live in Kolkata, many of their families had actually crossed over from Bangladesh to India when the fall of 1971 happened because that's when Bangladesh got separated from Pakistan. People had to cross over back to India when the partition happened. What were the main reasons that people decided to cross back over? Much of it would be, I guess, due to religious reasons. Some people face a lot of atrocities based on what religion they were. Right. Speaking about religion, we're just wondering if you have any thoughts on recently changes in the relations like between Canada and India. Anything that, from your perspective, struck you about that? I'm actually pretty stunned at how bad the relations have become because Canada and India have been allies for like a long time. A huge chunk of my family actually stays in different parts in Canada. So it's really disheartening to see that they cannot go back to their home country due to the fact that visas have been stopped. I just feel the timing of this is really bad because I'm gonna go back to India in like a month and I'm not sure if I face any problems when I reach there or if I come back to Canada if, they, if there might be any issues. Also depending on my religion because I'm a Sikh and the whole controversy has been basically surrounding a very small chunk of Sikhs there. So from my understanding, there was a member of parliament or a Canadian diplomat that got separatist from India? Basically what happened is that there's a section of people within mm. our Punjabi community mm. who identify as Khalistanis and their call is to create a separate state right. in India. I'm not going to take any sides here sure. because it's a very intricate issue. Yeah. And So basically, uh, one, one of the very foremost leaders was murdered, I think two or three months ago. Mm-hmm. And so Canada, we all know that uh, Justin Trudeau blames blame Modi for carrying out the assassination. I still feel that we should just wait for all the facts sure, to come up yeah. before making any decisions. But it's really sad that things have gone so sour just to go back you're talking about the food and you know area and where you grew up can you tell us a little bit more about that i grew up in a part of kolkata called baligans near baligans so we had my my go-to place was a place that sold egg rolls so it's a paratha lined with an egg lining and you place veggies into it throughout my childhood i would go there two or three times a week kolkata is basically known for its very unique dishes on fish. We have hilsa, we have hitki, and we have a whole bunch of fishes. And, you know, being here in Canada, have you found any places that serve any good, authentic food from where you're from? I actually didn't find any authentic Bengali place. Like, my background is like a mix of Punjabi and Bengali, so I kind of enjoy both. There's also another dish I really like making that's called khijuri, which is nothing but a lentil and rice mix. And since speaking of Bengal, it's actually the season of Durga Puja right now. So it's basically a series of 10 days where people worship the goddess Durga. And it's a really nice event. I just remember being a child and my parents taking me to different places where people made huge clay idols of the goddess Durga and we used to spend the entire day just roaming around, having fun, having nice food. And khichdi is something that is served at any sort of religious occasion in Bengali festivals. Yeah, do you find that there's a strong connection between food and your religion? The food that we eat at home, Mm -hmm. it's pretty basic. It's roti, it's dal and rice. 
Can I ask what the thought behind being vegetarian is for Sikhs? It's not so well defined, but the way we interpret it is that you cannot enjoy the killing of another living being. Do you want to recommend another song that we can go to on a music break? A really nice song is by my favorite Punjabi singer, Dasanj. He had released a song called Raat Gedi. It's not a typical Punjabi song. Again, it sort of like has a Western touch to it. And that's why I really like it. Awesome. Well, we are going to hear Raat Gedi and we'll be back on Tracks From Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. रात दी गेड़ी गल रिस्क दी तांग छिड़िया तेरे इश्क दी ओ रात दी गेड़ी गल रिस्क दी तांग छिड़िया तेरे इश्क दी ओ जात लोले अच तुमे बलिए हर चौक हथियार बंद चलिए लैट मित्रा दे बोल्ट दी लश्क दी Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. Today we're here joined in the studio with 
Harmon. Harmon, I wanted to ask you a bit about your family who came from Myanmar. Is that correct? Yeah. To be precise, so basically what happened was that they basically lived in Burma throughout their lives. And when the independence of Burma happened, when so all the Sikhs had to basically cross over the borders and come back to India. And that part of my family, my father's grandfather's brother, and basically two of his, his brothers along with the entire family had to cross the borders on foot throughout all the Burma jungles, go through Bangladesh, cross the Ganga River and then sort of come into the town of Kolkata or its nearby cities. It's really interesting how the Sikhs ended up being there because Sikhs were a huge chunk of the military that the British acquired from India. Because Sikhs are known to be warriors, they, we have our warrior past and even now we make around like 70% of the entire military oh, of wow. India. Is it just a myth that Sikhs carry a sword or is that one rooted in truth? To be a proper Sikh, you need to be baptized and you do carry a small sword, which is known as a karpan. It's for your self-protection and uh, yeah, and a bunch of other things that you have to do. Basically what happened was they recruited a large chunk of Sikh soldiers into the army and they carried them all the way to Burma. They didn't take care of the people they actually brought over from India. They didn't realize what could be the repercussions of another religion being there because it was a mix of Hindus and Islam. So Sikhs had to leave that place and a bunch of Sikhs they did leave and that's basically how part of my family crossed the borders and came to West Bengal. Yeah. So is that history something that's present in a lot of Sikhs' lives, the movement from other countries? Yeah, unfortunately we have been moving throughout our entire lives. Uh, a part of my family came from Burma and another part of my family actually crossed the borders from Pakistan when the partition of 1947 happened. So basically the same time around the independence of Burma, 1948. So yeah, they had to leave everything behind and just cross the border over because it was such a melting part of cultures like different religions and at that time there were a lot of problems the Sikhs were, were, were facing yeah. and the reason to settle in Kolkata is that because it just happens to be the most tolerant area where there's a large Sikh population I do consider Kolkata to be a really tolerant city when compared to others it's also a really safe city I have been to other cities and I just find even for women going out at night in cities like Delhi or Bombay when, when I compare that to Kolkata Kolkata seems really safe and another reason would be so Basically, my grandfather's father, they had some sort of a trucking or trailer businesses and they used to do import export stuff from Nepal, Bhutan and also Bangladesh. So Kolkata seemed to be like that convenient spot from where you could basically run a business and help in transportation. I understand that you also like to play music. Yeah, a bit, <laughs> I would say. I do play a bit of guitar. My favorite guitarist is John Mayer. I think he's the best contemporary guitarist. Do you find that, you know, when you play guitar, you're influenced by your background at all? You know, you're coming from that Burmese culture, or the Indian culture at all? Actually, my grandmother wanted me to play guitar at mm -hmm. our temples. Oh, since you're already learning an instrument, you might as well do it in an actual setting, like a proper religious setting. But I did not learn guitar for that. I was heavily influenced by Western music. Is there any artist from India who you think is incorporating the influences of Western music and guitar yeah, in an interesting way? There is a band which I really like, and I also seen they had come to our college campus. It's Local Train. Local Train is one of the best fusion bands now in India. There's another one called Indian Ocean, which a lot of people may have heard of it. They have really nice mixes of songs. They do incorporate Western guitar along with several Indian instruments. They have incorporated the tabla, sitar, mm. like a whole bunch of instruments, and I really like that fusion. 
Well, is there a specific song that you want to have us listen to? There's a song by Indian Ocean called Bhor. I might be wrong here. It also featured in a movie called Masan. And it basically talks about the morning sun coming up and how you should be ready for the next day. I don't know exactly all the verses, but yeah, mm-hmm. this is the gist of it. Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. You just heard the song Bore by Indian Ocean, uh, which was requested by our guest Harman, who we want to thank for coming on the show and uh, for telling us about his country, where he comes from. And earlier I mentioned that his parents had come from uh, Myanmar, but I think it was a generation before that. So I just wanted to, to clarify, but thank you, Harman. And Alex, what else do we got coming up? Well, we're going to go to Myanmar shortly, but before we do, I thought we would stay in the uh, city of Calcutta, and that is because we have a giveaway to announce. Um, From the city of Calcutta, just as a coincidence, comes the uh, tabla player, uh, a type of drum, by the name of Ritesh Das, and we are giving away two tickets to uh, a concert, which will be his first concert uh, to 
premiere live music from his new solo album, his first solo album. And that should be really exciting uh, because Ritesh Das, if you haven't heard of him, he's basically been on just about all the uh, cultural boards and music boards that we have in mm -hmm. Toronto. So he's, he's had a very long influence on the city and he's finally making a solo album, which is very exciting and we'll play music from that album later in the show. But right now we're just going to give you a little snippet of an interview we had with him. Well, it started back in India. I grew up in India. My parents had the music and a dance school in Kolkata. And after doing a whole bunch of stuff they wanted me to do, guitar, guitar, this, that, I settled for tabla. And after that, I came to the United States and now from there to Canada. Canada, I started the Toronto tabla ensemble. Nobody knew what tabla was. And from there, it grew. It grew to a point where the tabla was used for collaborations, not just with Indian music, but all kinds of genres. So that's what I do. I take tabla and I explore with any kind of music you can think about so there you go so for a chance to win two tickets to Ritesh Das's upcoming concert this Saturday all you have to do is tag two no three friends or enemies in the comments of uh, tracks from abroad's Instagram page uh, follow tracks from abroad and also follow CIUT that's all on Instagram and that's it for the Ritesh Das giveaway yeah, so be on the lookout for that sometime in the future. You can tell he's a very uh, charismatic man, and we had a great conversation we with did. him. But um, yeah, coming up in a bit, we are going to speak with the Myanmar Culture Club and photographer Brian Dickey. We started the interview by asking the head of the club, Napas, why he started the Myanmar Culture Club at U of T. So we're going to go and hear that. Interview on CIUT 89.5 FM. You're listening to Tracks from Abroad. Yeah, so um, after the February 2021 coup, um, I wasn't in uh, my undergrad anymore. I graduated at a point, uh, and I knew I was going to come back to do my master's. And I met a lot of other students who were also going to U of T during that time who were from Myanmar, uh, who were getting involved in the activism and uh, the organizing that happened within the Burmese-Canadian community after the coup. Uh, we, we were like... There's no Burmese club or Myanmar-focused club at U of T, and there isn't one, uh, as far as we know, across Canada at any university um, or college that we know of. Uh, but we know about, like, you know, clubs are really great places for students to uh, meet and explore their cultures and also um, raise awareness about what's happening within their countries. Uh, so we just decided last year, uh, I think we're at the one-year mark now, uh, to start this club, and we've had a lot of events cultural, political, um, activism, community-based um, ever since, and we've just been doing more and more. Very exciting. To zero in on the photography exhibition in particular, where did that idea come from? How did you first reach out to Brian? Um, maybe I'll ask Brian, when did you get a call from Napas that they wanted your photos? My connection to uh, Napas came from Napas and Matthew Walton were trying to do uh, find uh, material to hold events around the Burmese community and uh, Myanmar. And they reached out to me about a year ago and we were supposed to do something in the spring, I believe. But uh, timing didn't really kind of work with COVID outbreaks and student um, exams. So we decided to do it uh, in the fall before um, or right at the 
the new semester and it kind of got a little bigger than we thought it would. Uh, there seemed to be a little more interest in it and uh, they were really amazing in kind of promoting the whole thing. And so I've been hanging out with the Burmese community here uh, in Canada for about a decade now and uh, I've known Napas for quite some time, a couple of years now, and we would always bump into each other at community events and everything. And so he knows of my work and I know of his work and he's been a really, really good uh, proponent of my work in the past couple of years and he's kind of helped get my work out there in front of people so uh yeah and so you first visited Myanmar in 2010 Yes, yes. Uh, it was kind of on a whim. I, uh, I guess I didn't really have a full purpose to go to Myanmar. I just knew a little bit about it peripherally. And uh, to be all honest, I was kind of looking for some adventure. And when I got there, I kind of stumbled upon their exiled and jailed, le- I shouldn't say exiled, but jailed leader Unsung Suu Kyi being uh, released from house arrest after about 25 years of sporadic detention from the military there and um, I was actually able to see her first time that she saw the general public after she was arrested and just within my one peripheral vision there was probably without hyperbolizing I think probably close to 50,000 people and I've never seen uh, a group of people with that much emotion in it and just talking to uh, the citizens in the next couple days after that event it kind of solidified my interest in Myanmar and it was uh, a really beautiful moment of uh, a country kind of coming together and I was just really really interested and I kind of kept on digging further and fell in love with both the people and the culture and just continue to go back. Jumping back to Freudian and Napas, uh, I'd like to get your guys perspective on what we're talking about the coup in 2021 but but formally let's just set the groundwork. You guys are students at U of T. Were you born in Canada? Are your families from Myanmar? Talk about that. No, I was I was actually born in Thailand. So all the way back in like 1988, my dad was in uh, uh, Rangoon University, Rangoon University now. He was doing engineering and there was a um, uh, an uprising that arose uh, against the then uh, dictatorship government. And he actually left his studies during that time to go to the jungles to fight against this movement. So this yeah. is personal for you. Yeah, Your yeah. family has been part of these movements. Exactly, yeah. And they, the, the generation, they um, uh, that group of people calls themselves as the 88 generation because it all rose out of 1988. Um, so he went to the jungle um, to fight. And then, um, you know, after a couple of years, he uh, found his way to Thailand in a refugee camp. And that's where my mom, who was also from the same uh, region as him, that's where they met and they got got married in Thailand in this town called Ratchaburi. And then they gave birth to me. And then in 1999, uh, six months after I was born, uh, we got refugee status to come to Canada. And I've been in Canada ever since. So I grew up like very Canadian. I'm not very good at Burmese uh, for one, but I've been connected to the Burmese Canadian community in Toronto ever since. And I, that's where I've grown up. And uh, I'm now doing my master's here um, and I'm in my final year. Uh, so I hope this club leaves like a lasting legacy and i i want to like i want to see the country you know return to democracy as a a thriving uh inclusive democracy you know um kind of like as a beautiful so for you freddie and what brought you to this podcasting studio right now well um well some uh, some of the stories as now first the only difference between me and him is i literally grew up in burma uh, when i was growing up and 
Long story short, my, uh, I grew up from the two generations of the revolutions, a revolutionist, and my dad is from the generations of the 1960, where I think Uten revolutions is happening. And my mom is from the 88 revolutions. So they don't really meet each other until my mom have to move to, uh, move to England for, uh, for continuous studies. And that's how I was born in England. And, but then I went back home, or went back to Burma uh, after I was six. Could we get sort of a foundation before we go to a music break about the parties in conflict? I, I can say some parts. Uh, so the the, mil the Myanmar military is also known as the uh, Thamanoa, and it enacted the coup in 2021 against the uh, democratically elected government. But, you know, before that, Myanmar is, there's over 135 recognized ethnic groups. And a lot of these uh, ethnic groups or states uh, across the country um, have their own ethnic armed organizations. Mm. So just imagine, like, you know, it's, it's a federal nation just like Canada. Uh, imagine, like, you know, Ontario or uh, Alberta or uh, Northwest Territories having their own, like, provincial militaries. And, and they, they there's, like, a game that's going on between all of these actors in, in competition with each other because they have their own interests. They want to uh, solidify their state within the federal union. After the coup, the uh, military, you know, they, they struck down on uh, protesters. Uh, they've really repressed a lot of the opposition. They've arrested a lot of politicians, including the elected government. And, you know, the, the actions of the military have been ongoing ever since the country was formed. Yeah, uh, to summarize your question, it is like really, really intricate to summarize into like one sentence because everything is chaotic and discontracted and everything. So, And just to add to the insane backstory that is Myanmar politics and history, um, it's one of the most ethnically diverse countries on the planet. And it is also home to the longest ongoing civil war clocking in. I believe it's at 74 years. And so basically the weeks after the country got um, its independence from the British Raj, different ethnic groups took up arms against the central government and so these grievances have been fought over for decades and decades and decades there's many different groups um, like Napa said some are allied towards one another some are enemies to one another but for the most part their main enemy is the Myanmar military and this has been in my time covering the first time that kind of everybody is on the same page and has a common enemy which is a very again in my opinion a very hopeful sign we're taking a short music break on tracks with Rod on CIUT 89.5 FM. We've been talking to Napas and Fred Yin from Myanmar, as well as Brian Dickey, a photographer who has been capturing the Myanmar revolution. We'll be right back after some music.
Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. We are speaking with Napas and Fredian from Myanmar, as well as Brian Dickey, a photographer. We just heard a song that Fredian, you said is like a sister national anthem uh, to the people. Could you tell us yeah, a little bit about what that song means and uh, where you first heard it? Well, uh, what then is I... Hainaut describes that song as a sister's um, national anthem because of the current situations. So before that, we do have a national anthem that has a very similar name to it. And they, it's basically wrote for the colonialism. It was, I think, uh, I think it's before, if I'm being remembered and vividly, it was around like two, year, two years before the, before the Burmese won over the, uh, the British colonialism. They used it to let everybody know that it's the time to fight for the freedom again uh, from the military regimes during 88. So that's how the current sound that you play uh, was not released until I think 89. So the year before, uh, a year after the 88. All right. Wow. Fredian, it sounded like you had some experiences in protests in Myanmar. Could you talk about the, the people that you saw around you? It sounds like it's a, a really a grassroots movement against the government. Um, in what context were these protests happening? You know, where were you? At that time, I was in um, the capital cities, um, the the old capital cities, Rangoon, other than as Yangon as well. So uh, I was, uh, I remember it vividly because I was, uh, I was doing as a TA for one of the, for one of the first that I was teaching under uh, under the U uh, UGMs at that time, and because of the time differences, I that class finished at like five in the morning. Yeah. And then, no, no, sorry, four, four thirty in the mornings. And then I, so I, I went to sleep, and I woke up around seven a.m. because everyone is screaming, 
but everyone, everyone, everyone on the roads are very, the very chaotic. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then I checked my phone, how to see what time it is. And then I just noticed there's no connection. And I, so I thought, oh, my phone is acting up again. And then I check and I check. Now it does not happen. And, and I didn't even know, I can't even, uh, I can't even stop someone to, uh, on the road to ask what is happening. Uh, they don't have a time. They are, some other people are collecting every items in their house to flee the city. And until my drivers, um, my family drivers came to my house and say that, oh, that's happened. And that's where I figured it out. I have to be out. Yeah, to summarize, that's what it is. And it is very chaotic. I always have that. And the, the only thing, yeah, I did. The only thing that we can do right now is fight back and also spread the uh, uh, um, spread the uh, news about what is happening in Burma. Could I just add one thing? Please Fred, do. Uh, Please Fredium do. just yeah. uh, touched on something very important that uh, Myanmar has a vast, vast international spy network. And so if you're, you... You're being perfectly serious as you say uh, that. Yes, yes. yes, yes, uh, yes. So even if you are able to make it to a neighboring country, say Thailand, like yeah. you are not safe. There are uh, secret Burmese police roaming many parts of Thailand and different countries. And so mm -hmm. the eyes are on the citizenry and uh, your family's back home. So it's, uh, it's very da dangerous and draconian. And I don't think a lot of um, uh, people understand that as well. Are you familiar with with the the, the worry that uh, something you do abroad might translate to an action at home? That buzz. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we have to be like very careful. Um, we have to be sensitive to, especially a lot of students who come uh, from Myanmar. Yes, uh, have a lot of connections back home. So we have to we have to watch out for that, and also you know recognize those kinds of like privacy concerns. You know, it's it's kind of like a. A funny balance because like you want to it, people want to raise awareness and they want to make a difference but they also don't want to you know put their family and things at risk so you have to be kind of smart in how you do it and i think i i'm in a good position because i i've grown up here um although i have like family connections back home i there there's no real way to to trace it um uh because i've never uh i wasn't born there so i don't have like you know um like official documents there so people won't know um, where my family is and things like that. Um, but for a lot of the community, it's, it's something they think about, right? So um, I, I don't blame, you know, a lot of people who, who come here uh, and want to stay private because that's kind of like, you know, the, the, safe, the safe route, the safe, safe way. Canada has been pretty good for most people. I, I've never heard of anyone getting in trouble for what they do in Canada or getting in trouble in Canada for that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's something we think about. And this is just, this is just par for the course as well. Like uh, this is what the government is trying to do. If, if you look at the history of the uh, Burmese military, they've basically just taken 1984 and ran with it. Like the entire country is a surveillance state and they use divide and conquer and they they use retaliatory attacks to make sure that the citizenry 
almost does their work for them. Like everybody's so scared about talking out because of the retaliatory attacks that can happen to your family. And so you have a huge swath of the population just not talking about this. And so the military is very savvy with manipulating um, the citizenry and through horrible means. And uh, this is kind of what we're left with. And so it's very hard to kind of talk about these issues. because the, the, of what could happen to the people that you are actually talking about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you for, for all the information and, and, uh, you know, educating the listeners on, you know, what's going on. What do you as a club and as, uh, you know, people from Myanmar here plan to do going forward? Uh, we plan to host a lot more events, um, this Saturday, which I think will be actually before this episode gets released, uh, we're having an event with one of the uh, National Unity Government ministers who's coming to Toronto. Mm. Um, it's the Minister of Human Rights. Is this someone who was exiled previously? That's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's actually based in the U.S. or based in Thailand. I'm not sure, but he's in Toronto this week, so uh, we're meeting with him. And Brian, for you, one uh, other. You know, events, exhibitions, or projects that you have in the works? Um, so the last time I went to Burma, I created a book called People's Defense Force from that. And that was just kind of trying to spread awareness about this. Um, and uh, as a photographer, kind of the book format was w- what I was able to do. But uh, through kind of putting the book out, I've been connected to a couple of really amazing filmmakers. And we've made plans to go back to film a documentary on the People's Defense Force. And that's going to be happening in the future. So just kind of keep on talking about this story because it seems to be, like I said, getting pushed to the back page and uh, the world media. So just keep on trying to raise awareness about what's happening in Myanmar. Wow, terrific. Well, we want to thank Brian Dickey for coming onto the show to talk about the photography, his photography. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great. And to Napas and Freddie, and thank you guys very much for coming on the show and talking about the Myanmar Culture Club. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Shut out, they know. Cut 
You've been listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. We just wanted to give a big thanks to all the guests we had on this week. Harmon, Napas, and Fredian from the Myanmar Culture Club, as well as Brian Dickey. And thank you, Jesse, for coming and interviewing them with me. Alex? Yeah, and just another reminder that uh, you'll have a chance to win two tickets to Ritesh Das's upcoming concert if you follow Tracks from Abroad on Instagram, follow CIUT, tag three other people of your choice in the comments. And uh, from myself, Seth, Matthew the Board Tech, Rosa the Editor, who's also here today, uh, have a good night. You've been listening to Tracks from Abroad, and we'll leave you with some sounds from Ritesh Das. <laughs>